It's time for Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Featuring the News Gazette media sports writers, Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and Scott Ritchie. Delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are the News Gazette media sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly. Hey, good afternoon, sports fans, and welcome to the program. We're with you until 6 o'clock this evening with the phone line open, 217 356 9397. We'd love to hear from you if you have some thoughts about uh, the weekend sports activities, whatever else might be on your mind baseball, golf, basketball. Always fun to talk basketball what ifs and what may be coming down the road. Matt Daniels, the award winning sports editor of the award winning sports department. I'm, uh, I'm glad you took that 20 I gave you right before I walked <laughs> in the, the door, Steve. Yeah, price is going up each week. <laughs> But uh, glad to see you. First and glad to see you again, and uh, busy weekend for you guys. Yeah, no, uh, just uh, sports keeps rolling on, which is uh, a lot better than what it was last year at this time. So, uh, yeah, the uh, assistant coaching carousel never stops spinning. It seems in Champaign-Urbana, it will at some point before the the twenty twenty one twenty twenty two Illinois basketball season uh, tips off in, in November. But uh, yeah, a lot uh, lot going on even in kind of these i guess dog days of local sports covers there's there's still quite a bit going on and filling up uh, our sports section Stephen gentry was officially announced at gonzaga after he kind of announced it last friday scott ritchie and uh, after jeff alexander was promoted to uh, a bench role at the university of illinois and brad underwood still apparently interviewing candidates for that final position what are you hearing what's I feel like this one's a little bit different than the other two, because you know, Chester Frazier's name kind of got out there as a guy that Illinois was definitely looking at and made a lot of sense to bring him back to Champaign. And then it was always, you know, the assumption became, you know, if and when Stephen Gentry left for Gonzaga, that Jeff Alexander would get that promotion from assistant to the head coach to just assistant coach. Um, when you take out the, the middle letters, you know, the, the job title and the job duties change quite a bit. Um, this third spot, there have been a lot of names out there over the several weeks that this has kind of been going on, a uh, month plus at this point. Um, but I don't know that there's, like, at this point, like, a guy that's sort of, like, you know, maybe getting the type of buzz that, that Chester did with three weeks ago now. And some of those names might have been getting some uh, alleged buzz for a while. Then their name, uh, as you kind of mentioned, kind of went out of things. And they could still be in it for all we know. They could be back. Yeah, I mean, there was, you know, Kamani Young at UConn, Alan Huss and Creighton. Um, Meniga. Yeah, Mike Meniga uh, from Oregon, but. He just landed a, another Canadian via the transfer portal, so I'm not sure that he'll be leaving Oregon anytime soon. But, he, again, maybe he will. And you know, the, the off-season changes aren't just uh, you know wild when it comes to players. You know, obviously, the assistant coaches, at, especially at Illinois, with all three now having departed from last season, 
you know, that's uh, added just another layer of wildness to this offseason. And many fans overreact. There, there's, there's some headlines for you right there. <laughs> no. Shock, shock, shock. But it is unusual, if in, not necessarily in a bad way, but it's unusual to lose three coaches off the same staff at the same time. I'm sure it's probably happened before. Maybe it happened somewhere else this year. I, I don't know. But uh, it doesn't happen very often, yet I, I don't think too much should be made from that. Uh, turnover is turnover. Yeah, and, I mean, it does happen when there's a change at the very top. Sure, yeah. Um, but even the last time Illinois made that type of change, Jamal Walker <laughs> stayed on the staff, so there wasn't even you know that turnover in terms of all three. So, yeah, this is sort of unprecedented for Illinois, but if you look at each individual case, um, it made sense for the move that Orlando Antigua, Jen Coleman, Stephen Dentry all made. Um, not sure that anyone wants to hear that but th- there's logic behind it um, if you take kind of the emotion out of out of the picture we'll talk more basketball but one thing about uh, Andre Corbello he had to felt like he had to come out over the weekend with a with a tweet to uh, discount some rumors that were put out from the state of Kentucky well the fun thing about that is they were put out from the state of Illinois because the person that did it is a high school official from Evanston um, Kentucky fan, I guess. I just won't even mention who it is because uh, per Andre Curbelo in all caps, what <laughs> was written about him was entirely without basis or fact, and uh, he never considered or thought about leaving for Kentucky. And uh, that he has to do something like that, that Brandon Pajemski had to take to Twitter to dispel rumors that he was considering um, – trying to get out of his national letter of intent after the all of the assistant coaching change. Like, I mean, social media can be useful. It can also be the worst place ever. And it's unfortunate that these 18, 19-year-olds have to, you know, feel like they have to, you know, defend themselves against something that they both said is not true at all. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven is the phone number if you want to jump in. We'll talk some more basketball as we move along. We'll talk some baseball if you'd like. Cubs took two out of three from the Cardinals in St. Louis, including a game last night that uh, uh, was a, a great baseball game until they turned it into a little league game, in my opinion. I, I know I'm sounding like sour grapes uh, because I'm a Cardinal fan and they lost that game, but that's, the, to me, that's the worst rule in baseball is that man on second base in extra innings. Bob, you got an opinion on that? I hate it. <laughs> the, the Braves have won one game like that only because Acuna had a walk-off home run. That's the only one they've won like that. But I think they're on maybe one in six or something. I hate that thing. Well, Just can't, because, again, I say this all the time about everything. What is our hurry? I go to the baseball game. You, go, you get an extra innings. I love every extra inning you have because it's like free baseball. So why why are we trying to speed the thing up? I get I got last year because everything's kind of a mess because of COVID. COVID's not gone, still there, but it's not. The problem is was a summer ago. So please let's go back to the normal rules. Uh, why are we doing this? It was it's insane. It was a really good baseball game with no well, run scored. Unreal. Uh, yes. Adam Wainwright pitched a heck of a game. The Cubs made some great defensive plays in that. Cardinals squandered some some key. Uh, 
scoring attempts or scoring opportunities. They had the bases loaded, nobody out, couldn't get it in. Cubs couldn't get anybody to second base until the extra <laughs> innings when they got <laughs> awarded that. And I, I just, like well, I said, I thought it turned a great game into into a not-so-great game, no matter what the outcome would have been. Yeah, great pitching performance by uh, by Adam Wainwright, uh, overshadowed by Javier Baez's two-run home run, which would not have been a two-run home run if they didn't have a runner on second base. And uh, like you said, the Cardinals had plenty of opportunities to, to push across some runs there and, and, like you said, squandered a huge opportunity in, in the seventh when they loaded the bases with no one out there. And Yeah, and... Like Bob said, I, I get it why they did it last year in 2020 in an abbreviated 60-game season where they're trying to really monitor the, the pitchers, the, the health of the pitchers and their arms. I, I get that, and they're playing so many double headers. Um, but, yeah, just go – I mean, changes are coming to baseball because the thing that's kind of o- lurking over this 2021 season is the collective bargaining agreement <coughs> and, and what's going to transpire after the season ends and the World Series ends. And if – there's going to be a labor dispute and how that's going to affect the 2022 season. I think we can all agree that it looks like the DH is going to come to the National League for good. And um, maybe when they're negotiating, they can uh, just get rid of, uh, you know, the, the starting a runner on second base in the 10th inning. And when I said the DH is gone for good for those that can't watch this, so besides the four of us that are in here, Scott Ritchie gave two thumbs up. I am okay with that, but then again, watching last night's game and seeing the strategy that goes into a National League game, when Adam Wainwright comes up with runners on first and second, no outs, if there's a DH, okay, you're not thinking, okay, he's going to bunt here and uh, things that happen like that. So part of that, part of the allure of that goes away when the DH inevitably comes in National League, but then again, pitchers aren't hitters, really. Oh, Johnny? Yeah. Oh, Johnny? The, I how, hate how, by the way. How many other guys besides Otani and Babe Ruth have had the careers that, that they've had? Bob Gibson, Bob Gibson could hit He was well. a good hitting he pitcher. Could, yeah, but I, he I wasn't, think, wasn't like Okay, then here's my, here's my answer to that. And so we don't want him to hit anymore. Okay, that's fine. Why don't we have a fielder pop out of the mound when they – Throw the pitch. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Why can't they hit the B part of the game? Guys hit all their careers until they get the minor leagues. I mean, when they're little, when they're younger, mm-hmm. little league, high school, they're they're hitting. So I they've got I, the DH in high school too. Yeah, I don't I don't like their either. I wish it was gone. It was a, it, the reason it was invented, Steve. You were. You're not oh, here we go there. again, no, Scott. No, no. Here we go. We, no, no, I'm just, I'm we, not, I'm not we're too critical. young to get it. <laughs> no, no, no. But it was, it was basically a problem because the, there was not enough runs being scored. Which is a huge problem in baseball this season. Yeah, the Major League average. Right, scored 20 the other day. Major I'm League Baseball that. average is 235. The runs, I think, per game are on pace to have the lowest since 1908, which was the dead ball era. And, Bob, I know you weren't around in 1908, but that, that did happen. Lauren, maybe, <laughs> not me. I don't like the the DH simply because, well, let me rephrase that. I hate the DH, <laughs> but I understand why it's coming. Mm-hmm. I think it ought to be, whatever it is, it should be the same in both leagues. Right, well, see, that's the one thing. It never made sense that there were two leagues in, right. well, two conferences in one Yeah. Well, league, league that had different circuit, that had Scott. different rules. American League is a junior circuit. They're well, that, not, I mean, that's true. Clearly but inferior, so that's fine. But they have the advantage of an extra bat on their bench. That's true. That comes in handy. Uh, it's just, man, I was 
Braves. There's team. not nearly enough runs in baseball right now. I mean, it's, it's either strike out or you hit a home run, well, and that's that's, that's about it. Or you, or, hit, or, or you hit a two-run home run when a runner's put on second. Yeah. For or you, or you get beaned because like, that for, number's going stop up. Stop trying to hit in, in play the game like you used to play, which is put the ball in play. Exactly. Hit it where it's, it where it's pitched. They're too worried about hitting into a double oh, play. Yeah, it's crazy. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Put the and ball in play. T- I was at uh, Bill Small the other day. Was talking about how he would like. To, he was worried about the shift. Mm-hmm. I think the shift is part of the game. What you have to do is make them get out of it. So go the go there the way I watch. I watch Dansby Swanson all the time because he plays with the Braves. When he hits like that, when he hits where the ball is pitched, he hits like 400. When he tries to pull the, everything. He's getting all, out all the time. It makes no sense. Cardinals, Why would you do yeah. Cardinals will have a DH tonight. Paul Goldschmidt is going to be the DH because they're playing the White Sox in Chicago. The last team that Tony La Russa has not managed against is the St. Louis Cardinals. That's a good point. It would be the, the, the last team that he crosses off his list. Of course, he coached for the uh, managed the White Sox oh. and the Cardinals. I and wonder. The A's. I wonder how he can upset the White Sox tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got, I got a dollar that says he can figure out a way. But uh, at a ball game tonight, Lance Lynn, former Cardinal pitcher, will start against the Cardinals tonight. Matt Carpenter will be at first base, and Paul Goldschmidt will be the DH. We'll talk more baseball, basketball. Flip. You know what? Here we're twenty minutes into the show, and I've buried the lead again. The biggest story of the weekend was Phil Mickelson on the golf course at the PGA Championship. That was, you guys know I kind of like golf, but uh, that was really fun to watch at 50 years, almost 51 years mm-hmm. of age, winning a major. That was really fun stuff. Did you watch it, Matt? I did not. Had some family time yesterday afternoon. I was watching a lot of uh, children's cartoons while the PGA Championship was going on, but I was paying attention to what was happening out in in South Carolina and um it's one of those moments I'm not a huge golf fan but I do appreciate the the sport as I've gotten older I think it's I've gotten wiser too so I I appreciate what they do even more and I can remember watching Mickelson win the British Open in in 2013 and people thought he was kind of past his prime then and to see him do it at, at 50 after he'd won on the Champions Tour as well when he started out there so uh, just goes to show you, uh, golf kind of knows no boundaries, and there's some of the best sports stories that have happened in golf in the last couple of years. You think Tiger Woods, the Masters in 2019. That's a, I think that's a Sunday afternoon if you're watching, and I was glued to the TV during that. I think that's a moment you always remember as a sports fan. And uh, Mickelson, it was cool to see too because you were wondering when the drop off was going to come, and it, and it never happened. Even though you had Brooks Kepka, who just seems to thrive in majors, was kind of nipping at his heels, but he. He held on. Brooks Kepka, by the way, stop whining. My goodness. He whined about the fans. I was a little out of control. You also had a 50-year-old when a major, oldest person. So the fans were kind of all over the place. He got bummed around a little bit. I know he's got bad, bad D. He complained and complained and complained. Come on. You know, you want to know why Phil is loved? Because he didn't complain about things like that. Brooks Kepka is never going to be at the level. He might be as a player but never be at that level like Arnold Palmer or Tiger Woods or not Tiger Woods can be particular, but... I was going to say it's a little surly. Right, he can be surly, but this guy, Mickelson, completely understands fans, and Brooks Koepka clearly does not, so this will be part of Bob next Monday, or Sunday. 
And uh, I just couldn't believe how that he complained. I, I know it was kind of crazy, but that's we haven't had fans at anything for two years. Please really relax. It did get a little uncomfortable well, as I watched it. I thought this is getting a little bit. But, uh, but they were all good still. They you were know, the fans were good. They were just giddy, like you know. Once they got around the green, I thought, okay, if they can hold them there, because yeah. they didn't hold them very well getting to the no. green. <laughs> but that reminds me of some British Opens yeah, over the yeah. years. They always have the guys follow the guys up at uh, the, the um, St. Andrews. Mm-hmm. They, you see that all the time. It's kind of cool. Now they maybe need some more. Security there, I guess. Probably maybe. they didn't care, but then maybe that's a South Carolina thing. But they didn't <laughs> care. But I was really puzzled by the whole thing. But I was, but he shouldn't complain. And yeah. again, Phil Mixon, who I think he said kind of like that was a little scary or something. He said something like that, but he made it more humorous or funny and not so like, oh, I was scared for my life or they were they bumped my knee. I'm sorry, your knee got bumped. Sorry, rich guy. I mean, please deal with it. Well, let's go to the phones. We've got the lines open. Hey, you've uh, been holding on there a little bit. Go ahead. You're on the air. Brian, about this this morning, but since you guys were talking about it, I thought I'd throw in my 50 cents, you know, inflation. But uh, I thought uh, I knew about the seventh inning that it was going to ruin the game when they went into extra innings and put the guys on second. I mean, uh, that rule is a monument to the stupidity of man. And so, I mean, Javier Baez might not have hit the home run if uh, there wasn't a man on third with only one out. The uh, Cardinal pitcher, whose name escapes me, might have thrown a different pitch. Yeah, you might have pitched him differently. There's no doubt about that. And so, I don't know. It's like these people who, in the suits in New York or something, don't understand the beauty of baseball. Can't argue with that, Carl. That's a good point. And so, I still remember, I I was thinking last night of the uh, 1971 1971 opener where Gibson and Jenkins pitched uh, complete game shutouts into the 10th inning, and Billy Williams came up with a home run. They didn't need somebody to put somebody on second in the 10th inning. So I don't know what these people are playing at. All right, Carl, appreciate the call. Thank you very much. He's right. He's right. Gibson would hit the guy at second. He would turn around and throw the ball We need to take a break at 528. This is Monday Night Sports Talk. The phone line open at 217-356-9397 here on DWS. Back with more after this. Welcome back to the show. Monday Night Sports Talk. WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, Steve Kelly, along with Matt Daniels, Scott Ritchie, and Bob Osmussen. We were talking golf. You got a Mickelson story, is that what you said? A brief one. I'll be quick. Yeah, no problem. So I'm setting the timer, Bob. 2010, Mickelson with Masters, right? I went. I happened to go that year at the Par 3 tournament, the practice day, with Hank and my, a bunch of friends. And uh, one one of the holes, Phil Mickelson's daughter, I don't know which one, came up and he gave Hank one of the balls, one of the Phil Mickelson balls. Mm-hmm. So that was, that, that's how you deal with it, Brooks Kepka. You give you have your kids run and have golf. And you've balls. been a fan ever since, right? Well, pretty much, yeah. That, but then he won, so it was really cool. So you, you get a golf ball, he wins. My brother-in-law gave him a, gave Hank a place to put it, so it's pretty cool. So 
Quick. See, it was quick. It was brief. It was like yeah. you know, 31, 32 seconds. Go. Bob. Good job. Yeah. Yeah, Phil knows how to, to work the crowd. Smooth. He, yeah, he was giving the old thumbs up. Uh, he could have maybe waved or something else. But right. he, was, he was fine. Yeah, he was great. And he uh, interacted. With, you know, what I found really compelling was the interaction between he and his caddy, who happens to be his brother. Right. Right. And his brother talked him out of a shot or two or had him hit a different kind of shot. And it's, it's fun to hear that conversation because you don't normally get to hear that. That was great. All the, the whole, I watched pretty much all four days. And that whole thing, I fast forwarded, it goes fast. But uh, the, that interaction the whole time, you didn't hear it with it, many other golfers, but it was them. It was just fantastic. It really told you a lot about the game. And Phil's like a like a math whiz or something. <laughs> it's 40 minus 10. Like, okay, dude, I didn't know there's so much math involved, but he figured it out and won the tournament. Well, they know exactly how far they they hit every iron, every club, how far off. they fly it, what it's going to do when it gets there. And so it's fun to listen to how they arrive on uh, the different kind of shots they hit. So Phil Mickelson uh, wins the PGA Championship, a cool $2.1 million. Steve Stricker played pretty well. He was four over. Finished tie for 44th, and the Mickelson beat Kepka by two shots for the uh, the major win. You know, going into Sunday, he had the lead at some point in in a major. Word this right. There's five other guys that had led a major in four different decades. Now he makes number six. He's up there with wow. Nicholas and probably Ben Hogan and. Some of those other guys, but uh, Palmer, maybe Palmer, yeah, sure. So that that's quite an accomplishment. Besides the going on to win, yeah, I mean, just uh, it, it just adds another chapter to uh, a, a legacy that's already been well documented over his, his past three years, dating back to his even his college days when he was making himself kind of a household name, and and just like Bob has said too, just the the way he's able to to handle the crowd and, and his personality, I think was really won uh, a lot of people over. And I know some people might think it's an act or an all shucks thing, but he seems genuine out there. And I mean, it certainly helps when you win and you get over $2 million for your, your efforts as well. But he's consistently shown uh, ever since he's pretty much been a contender in all these majors and he's kind of gotten over the hump too and, and won some of these majors. And, um, you know, to me too, one memory of, of Phil Mickelson as well is just uh, – I think it was probably 18, 19 years ago when he was at the U.S. Open and he had a beeper. And for any of those kids that are listening today, that means th those don't exist. <laughs> I'm sure they exist some, somewhere, but they're not used anymore. But he had a beeper because his wife was about to give birth. And if that thing went off, he was leaving the course. And I think he was in contention at right. the U.S. Open on, on a Sunday. So Which he has not won. Yeah, he's, he's come got, close now a few he's times. Got five more shots. That was back when uh, Payne Stewart beat him. Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactty. Yes, remember that. He's finished that second. Well. How many times? A crazy number of times in the yeah. majors. Should have won it one year for sure when it's he had a horrible approach a, on at, eighteen. Uh, Beth Page yep. uh, of mm -hmm. New York. Yeah, he uh, decided to hit one up in the <laughs> cheap seats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Scott, let's go back to basketball. Chester Frazier is on uh, the recruiting trail, at least doing what he can do till he can get back out. Any news there on uh, some of the guys that he's been uh, offering and uh, following up with? Yeah, it's more just on the geographic area sure. that Illinois, you know, might now have a foothold in with Chester Frazier and seeing a lot of kind of the, the southeast and you know east coast and um, a number uh, of targets kind of in the last week and a half, um, mostly in the the class of twenty twenty two, but um, it's just. 
that'll play itself out over the next year, whether Illinois is in the mix. But you know, most of them also had a Virginia Tech offer. So these are guys that he has been recruiting for a while now and, you know, fit what – because, you know, Brad Underwood's going to have the, the final say, sure. but they, they fit what um, Illinois is looking for as well. So, I mean, I think that – you always kind of wonder what the recruiting board's going to look like when there's a change in assistance, and especially when there's a change in three assistants. But uh, but they they should be similar type athletes for the Big Ten. And you know, I mean, Virginia Tech plays in a pretty good league. It's not that uh, guys that play at Virginia Tech couldn't necessarily play here. Yeah, it, there's I mean obviously some differences in scheme and maybe kind of the type of athlete that. Uh, that Illinois is looking for um, compared to you know, Virginia Tech plays a little slower pace, so mm-hmm. they, they have you know different needs. But uh, the constant through with all of you know the most recent targets, kind of they fill they check off one common particular is that I think of the last six or seven, all but one played for a state title or won a state title in the last year, and the one that didn't like the season didn't happen. <laughs> So uh, out in Virginia, so that's you know Brett Underwood has said that he wants you know guys from winning programs, and that's what he values um, really highly. And you know these guys all kind of fit that mark. Back to the uh, coaching situation, there is one recruiting on court coaching vacancy, and we assume one special assistant to the head coach. However you want to phrase that. There's there's several different, like, jobs that are all the same and they have, you know, just different terminology. But, yeah, I assume you have Jeff Alexander moving up that creates a position on staff um, that feels kind of a a do-everything role because Jeff Alexander did a lot of different things in in that role. But um, So, yeah, the the turnover will be in that job as well. Your thoughts on Jeff Alexander? We've gotten to know him a little bit over the last uh, three, four years that he's been here, and it's kind of a new role. But then again, it's not. He's done it before. Yeah, um, obviously not at the Big Ten level, right? But he has been an assistant coach um, for nearly you know, for more than a decade. You know, be- before this kind of pause as an assistant to the head coach, um, but like he was the recruiting coordinator at Idaho State. You know, spent a year at Eastern Illinois, Harvard Panthers. in the Midwest. Um, and then before he came to Illinois, spent five years with Marty Simmons at Evansville and recruited all over. I mean, and, you know, El- Illinois has kind of, you know, tried to tap into the international market. And Jeff Alexander did that at Evansville. Yeah, he recruited internationally um, for the Purple Aces. So, so you mean there's going to be possibility of international players coming to Illinois even without Orlando Antigua still on staff, Scott? Yeah, you know, believe it or not, like – other people besides Orlando can like go to Europe and what? well, I mean, eventually like they can talk to people on the phone in Europe at this point. But yeah, so and just Jeff's an incredibly nice guy, and comes from a great basketball family he too really in does. the state of Illinois. I mean, his dad Neil has more than eight hundred wins. He's a Hall of Fame coach, still coaching at Lincoln. Um, his brother Greg played at ISU, and I don't know, it was maybe the heir apparent at Lincoln because I think he was coached with his dad uh, for a few years now. Um, but you know, talking with Marty Simmons on Friday, uh, he was in Evans back in Evansville because his son was getting married that weekend, and he still took the time to call me back and said, you know, he'd literally do anything, yeah, you know, for Jeff Alexander. So, uh, has a 
like well respected you know, in, in the profession. It is moving up on 540. This is Monday Night Sports Talk here on DWS. We'll take a break and be back with more. Feel free to join us if you'd like. 217-356-9397. Back after this. Moving up on 543. Phone line open for the next 15 minutes or so if you'd like to join us. 217-356-9397. This is Monday Night Sports Talk. On DWS, further basketball notes, Scott Ritchie, our basketball beat guy, has some news about Jordan Bohannon, the uh, veteran player of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah, Iowa released um, some news while we were on air that uh, Bohannon was physically assaulted early Sunday morning in Iowa City and is now recovering after receiving medical attention to treat a serious head injury. Um and I believe it that because there's if you can go on Twitter and find the video, uh, terrible angle to begin with, but zooms in when he gets kneed in the face when he's already on the ground. So that's uh, uh, awful. So hopefully he'll be okay. But uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's not a good situation. Early Sunday morning, is that what you said? Yeah, and I mean from the video, he's out at a bar, but he's of age, so he can do as he pleases. But uh, yeah, not a a good situation there. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously a, a known commodity in the Big Ten, not only for his three-point shooting prowess, but also for his uh, outspokenness, I guess is is the word, too. And uh, some fan bases probably aren't real excited when he starts popping off with his mouth at all. And, uh, yeah, I hate to, hate to see something like that happen, though, no matter what the circumstances, the situations were like. Uh, to see someone kind of neat in the face like that is, is pretty uh, – Pretty disturbing, to say the least. Bob, let's talk some Illinois football. The coaches have been gone for much of this month because it's going to get busy next month. Right. You had a story, uh, was it yesterday's paper? Yeah. About uh, Camp Rantoul, and you quoted uh, Scott Eisenhower and some of the folks up there about how much they'd love to have that back. Right. You've got a new facility up there. Talk a little bit about uh, those conversations. Well, you they have a fantastic place. All right, Matt, you... Matt got some pic- great pictures of it. Robin and went up mm-hmm. there. It just looks awesome. And a lot of these cities, a lot of cities are building these places. Edwardsville has one of these. It's pretty cool. You could easily put the Illinois football, football, football team there. What you don't have there, unfortunately, and Scott pointed out, Scott Eisenhower pointed this out, there's not enough hotel rooms there. There's not a nice, fancy hotel room, uh, hotel for Illinois to come stay. That's a problem. And right now, Illinois has got everything they need within what, 100 yards, 200 yeah. yards. So it's kind of like, why would you go? But I think that what they're hoping for, and I think this makes more sense, is maybe you get them up there for a couple of days. Can you get them to come up, spend some time there? I think I don't think that's going to happen. It can't happen this year because I think there's still some concerns with COVID. But I think down the road, when Bielema feels more comfortable with what he's doing, maybe getting on the road like other coaches have done here, this wouldn't be a horrible idea, and I think that's what Scott Eisenhower is wor- working on. Some sort of come up here, spend some time up here, maybe have a scrimmage here. It was Matt. Did you cover Camp Rental some? Yeah, yeah several years. The, the final so, three years. So you 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 got to know it. I yeah. got to know it really well. Steve, you went up there all the time. Yep. It was it was obviously a different situation for Illinois than it would be now, but it was. I do think that one thing Scott just said that was really pointed and smart was being away for two weeks from your comfort zone 
would be a really good thing for the team in terms of getting everybody together. Because what they ended up doing, no offense to Rantoul, they hated Rantoul, okay? I mean, let's be honest. They wanted, they wanted, they fled out of there like it was a, like it is the all time's greatest race. They just getting out of there. But I think those, every team I saw there got better because they were there, because they were together. They, for first, kind of be away from their stuff. So I think, I think there's some great value in doing that. So I think it wouldn't hurt a lot to think about going up there for maybe every couple of days. Why not? Yeah, and they would, I suppose if they did that, they wouldn't have to stay overnight. They right. could just go up, go up and have a scrimmage, mm-hmm. come home. Easy. Well, the difference, and you mentioned it, the difference is facilities That's the problem. here. Right. All, the, all the, the training facilities, the medical facilities, yeah. the, the new weight room, everything. It's hard to argue. Leave and it. plus, you've got a coach that, that enjoys practicing in the stadium mm-hmm. on in the turf. private. In, in, in private on the turf yeah. he's going to play. Couldn't be a very private ranch all. And that was always, to me, one of the beauties of the place because you could go there and set up shop and Matt and I would go in the uh, work, work room there and go watch practice for a couple hours. That was awesome. But I don't think the current staff or any staff ever again willing to do that because they don't want anybody to know their secrets. Let me tell you. I'll tell you, tell you some secrets. Illinois is going to run the ball this year. so They'll, play, they'll probably blitz too on defense. I get come up with some more. I mean, come on. There's nothing that we don't know that won't be known. So that whole secrecy thing is kind of it's illusion. It's not. That's not real. That doesn't matter. I really don't think so. Yeah, I just don't know if they're ever. I don't. I, I think the days of teams going away for training camps, even before the pandemic, I think was kind of an old yeah. mm-hmm. artifact and and wasn't something that. A lot of teams, as, as you see throughout the Big Ten and, and the other Power Five conferences, they've invested so much money in their on-campus right. facilities with their, their training rooms, all the medical uh, rooms that they have, and, and training equipment, and just keeping the players as comfortable as they, they possibly can. And I get somewhat get the rationale for getting them out of their comfort zone and everything, too, but wouldn't you want your – and the thing, too, about Camp Rantoul is that they, they've basically moved – it was like moving a small village right. up that's, into, that's the, hard part up into right. the, the, old, the old grounds on the, the former Chanute Air Force Base there. I mean, they had to bring all their weight equipment up. They, they had right. all their... Tackling th- dummies. Exactly, <laughs> everything <laughs> like that. Old tennis courts, remember that? Old tennis courts mm-hmm. where the weight room. This, it was kind of crazy, but it was it was fun. Yeah, I think it was just it was a, a good idea at the onset in uh, 1998 when Ron Turner, who had an NFL background and, and training camps were popular. And, and the thing, too, is with training camps... Even before COVID hit, you saw a lot of the NFL teams move away from their old training camp right. facilities. I mean, the Bears moved away from Olivet Nazarene up in up in Bourbonnais. That whole trend was kind of starting to, to kind of go by the wayside. And I think that effect trickled down to Illinois. And, and Camp Rantoul was, uh, you know, there for, you know, almost two and a half decades or so. And I know when Lovey Smith was brought on board that I think they thought Camp Rantoul was going to stay, but he had other ideas for what he wanted to do for as far as training camp practices. And, and they still kind of had somewhat of a Camp Rantoul feel right. because they were open and they were still kind of they're on like the recreation it. fields right. uh, here at the U of I. And, uh, but, yeah, Camp Rantoul had some uh, some good times up there. Saw a lot of, a lot of scrimmages, a lot of coaches yelling at players, a lot of uh, sunscreen applied, lack of shade. <laughs> uh, I remember doing this show up there numerous times oh, yeah, as we well, did. and um, I can't tell you the number of times. We and did I that. think, and I think too, part of what ca- happened with Camp Rantoul, and this wasn't uh, uh, something, it wasn't anything that Rantoul did or anything. They tried to roll out the red carpet as best they oh, can. Yeah. They, they 
loved having the Illinois football program come up there and train for, you know, two, two and a half weeks. But when the the big deal used to be was the Illinois would scrimmage at yeah. Bill Walsh Field there in Rantoul, and then the NCAA, NCAA came out with a rule that said, oh, you can't do this. And I think that really kind of lost some of the luster there because – I think too for the player's sake too is you you go up there you're on an old military base for two weeks you're kind of out stranded in the middle of nowhere which to a lot of these probably feel like they're at the end of the earth there and you just see in the distance there's really nothing around there at all and the fact that you could have a scrimmage in front of a few thousand fans that were really excited to see you I think kind of served as really cool. kind of a carrot at the end there and when that kind of went away I think that really kind of hurt the appeal of Camper and So Tool maybe well. do that again once you know once in summer go up there or up there early in camp and have a have a practice up there. That'd be cool. Or Northwestern used to go to Can state of uh, Wisconsin. They did that in no, nineteen. They went, mm-hmm. but they I uh, talked to them last week and they said, "Yeah, we're not. We don't know." And they've got this beautiful in this facility. Almost no reason for them to go anywhere else. So they'll be at home. You would think. So you're right, Matt. Nobody's going to do this anymore. But, but I, it was I, fun. It was fun. I used to love. It. But did I, you did you stay there? No, you I went back did. and forth. Okay, yeah, back and forth twenty miles. When I had my Miata, I would put the top down and drive there. It was so much fun. Did you have your sunglasses up. on when you did that? Cause, I did. Because you w- look like a movie star. I woke, <laughs> it woke me up. It was awesome. And by the, I would look forward to driving up there and driving home, except I was wor- always worried about like hitting a deer or something, but it's fine. <laughs> but with the coaches getting back now and it opening up in June, they're going to have some players on campus, right? Some right. camps, some oh, potential yeah. recruits. Yeah, lots of, lots of them. They'll have, I think they can have 10 days, days of it. That sound right, Matt? I wrote about this a month ago. Uh, they have, I think they can have 10 camp days. And they kind of f- figure out what's best for them. I, I think you'll see some players that are committed already come in because those guys are always coming in and try to sell. So maybe the quarterback from Jersey will come back to a camp. They'll do that kind of thing. But they'll also go after some guys that maybe were under recruit a little bit. And they'll, they'll find some guys. They're not done recruiting. They're going to get some more guys in here this summer. Okay, Bob, you and I are going to take these young guys down memory lane again. <laughs> a little history lesson. It was 21 years ago this week, Illinois basketball, that Lon Kruger decided to go to the NBA. Correct. Remember that well. Yes, me too. You know, I'm thinking, I was trying to think what the money was. I think it was like $4 million a year or something like that. It was, yeah, it was quite a bit. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, kind of came out of nowhere. Well, and here's the best part. Jeff D'Alessio mm-hmm. got the advantage of having a great relationship with Coach Kruger and basically told him what was going on, I think. And Jeff couldn't and – no, and Atlanta was not releasing it. Right. So we had it for like we, – everybody has to cite the news. According to the news, Lime Kruger was coming in with the Hawks. So it was like, wow. And then I spent the next three or four weeks or maybe a month chasing down the replacement – which was obviously pretty easy, Bill Self, and again the easiest hire ever. But still, I had to get you know we had to get that too. So it was really an uncomfortable time because of the timing of it. And the only way, just really it worked out great for a little. It could not have been a better setup. You don't have an 05 team with that all, all the way that worked out. Twenty one years ago, what were you guys doing? Uh, I don't want to say what I'm doing because I'm going to get yelled at by Bob for being young. No, no, <laughs> so 2000. 2000, I was a freshman in college. Yeah. Freshman, was, in, freshman in high school. I was in eighth grade. Okay. Well, that's uh, fine. And Jeff, Jeff's been on these these areas before, and he's talked about the, the kind of the final right. days and hours of oh. the Lon Kruger tenure here in Champaign. He's got some great stories about it, and, and I know he – 
mentioned it uh, a couple months ago when, when Kruger retired from UNLV, but this was back when the News Gazette had multiple editions running throughout right. the night, and he had to, I think, rewrite something that was going to end up running, saying he wasn't leaving for Atlanta, and then got right. wind that he actually was leaving, so he had to kind of adjust on the fly, but yeah, 2000, I was, uh, was a freshman in high school. So I can tell a story now that's long gone. I got. I had a friend who knew Bill Self really well, uh, columns, columnist from Tulsa. So he got me hooked up with Self, and I talked to Self before he ever even thought about coming here. So I talked to him early, and we became acquainted. So he kind of. So you sold him on Illinois? That's no, not at all. But <laughs> but the last call I made to him, I said, Coach, what's going on? This is beer. So before I got hired, say he said, I can't tell you anything. Does that tell you anything? I was like. <laughs> Okay, I guess you're coming here then. So <laughs> I, I think we kind of wrote, he's coming. And I was, obviously, it was a great thing for me and everybody covered him because he was awesome to deal with. So we're down, was Kruger. we're down to the final few minutes of this particular program. We need to take one final break. We'll do that and be back to wrap things up after this. Stay with us. 558 on WDWS, Monday Night Sports Talk. Coming down the home stretch. Bob, what are you working on for? Uh, Editions of the paper coming up this week. Column on Dan Hartlip for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I think he's running around. It is. And uh, some Parkland stuff and whatever Matt tells me. Matt Probably some Illinois me. men's golf stuff too. Oh, yeah, uh, of course. NCAA championships coming out in, in Arizona. And yeah, it's going to be a little toasty there, Ski. Yeah. Like it is. 100. Scottsdale in. Uh, yeah, it's a smart move. That's in late May, early June. It will be a little toasty, but uh, no bet against Mike Small and his team. He's got a way to get those guys. Ready? They open up in uh, stroke play on Friday. Scott, what are you working on? I have a uh, come on kind of the coaching situation in Illinois coming tomorrow, and then I've got to cram an awful lot into the next three days because then I'll be gone. It's going on vacation. Vacation. By the way, we will not have a show next week. Memorial Day. Memorial Day. So we're taking that off. What else you got in the hopper, Matthew? Uh, just in a lot of Indy 500 coverage coming okay. up, too, this weekend. Uh, that's back. 135,000 people are going to be over at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which seems absurd to think about, but uh, good to see as, as well, in a sense, too. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of, like I said, kind of the dog days right now as far as here in Champaign-Urbana with uh, a lot, not a lot going on with U of I, but there's still plenty of sports going on, and we'll have all that covered in, in the News Gazette. Before we go, happy birthday to the best in the business of sports information directors, Kent Brown. He is... Having a birthday today, Bob Dylan. It's what, 22, 23? Yeah. And a personal note, happy birthday on Wednesday to my grandson, Hudson, who is turning one. That's awesome. That's the best birthday. He won't understand what you just said. Yeah, I know he won't. <laughs> Someday. Going back to the classroom. Time to do things the way they were meant to be done. Belarus's forced landing of a passenger jet. This was a shocking act. Gaza cleanup. Volunteer.